Happy Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Ellen Pogamiller with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Catherine Bishop, president of OEA. Fried Okra is a weekly podcast where we talk about public education issues in Oklahoma. We hope you'll join us every Friday. And this morning, we are joined with by Dr. Bean, the OU Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Coordinator. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for having me. I enjoy being here so far and look forward to having the conversation today. Yeah, yeah as well as Assistant Athletic Director? Correct. So Associate oh. Athletics Director Associate. of okay. Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Awesome. Yes. Wow. Awesome. awesome. Long, even a longer day. Even a longer <laughs> one, but at least it's just one, so yeah. <laughs> Well, just tell us just a little bit about yourself. How, you know, how did you end up at OU in this position? Correct. So I know before we got on um, live, we talked a little bit about where I did my undergrad at. And so again, uh, Oklahoma State was where I did my undergrad and uh, my PhD from. Um, so originally from Okima, Oklahoma. Oh, and so uh-huh. yeah, I see the eyes, they lit up. So yeah. that means you know where that's at. Yeah, I'm proud of the it. water towers. The there hot you and the cold go. Water yes. towers. Yeah. yeah. So I grew up there. Um what we refer to now as the reservation. So I am Muskogee Creek. Um, Grew up there, played a little bit of college ball before I finished up. Um, I think when we look at the work in regards to diversity and inclusion, obviously being a woman um, and also um, identifying as Native American, you kind of always do the work. Um, So been really passionate in that that realm. Um, Education has always been really important to me as well. Um, And so if we look at statistically, um, who's less likely to graduate high school and or um, get a college degree, um, typically uh, Native Americans are at the end there or people of color as well. And so I think that's always been a passion is how can we get um, more people um, to get degrees in education. Mm -hmm. And so, um, again, just looking at the work, there's been a variety of ways or reasons or how I've supported um, or done the work before I'm actually possessing a title that had it in there. Um, So also taught for about eight years at Langston University. Um, So, yeah, so we talk about education there again. Um, and then also serve some time at Baycomb College, which is considered yeah. um, in this state one of a, a tribal college, yeah. um, although not nationally recognized right. as one, which is also where um, I played ball at. Okay. Um, so kind of did a little bit of that. Athletics is something that I've always set in, um, whether as a graduate assistant, coaching, sports information, strength and conditioning. Um, and so it's been quite a journey that's led me to the University of Oklahoma, but thoroughly enjoying it. We have some amazing student athletes, amazing yeah. coaches, and just some great people within the department. Um, and so enjoying my time there um, and really thankful for the position. So what what brought you to talk, talk to us a little bit about the work that OU is doing around diversity and inclusion? Yeah. Um, so we have a framework that we kind of look at. Um, it's called Champions for Unity. So we typically refer to our university as ChampsU. Uh, champion. And so we kind of played off of that. So Champions for Unity, it has four pillars. Uh, we look at education, uh, social intelligence, civic engagement or civic responsibility, and then also advocacy and accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, so really looking to um, kind of, as I mentioned before, really create this voice for um, not only our student athletes, but also our staff. Um, so we do education sessions for our staff. Um, it's all voluntary, um, c- covers a wide ra- range of topics. So it could be allyship. It could be um, implicit bias. Self-awareness, I think, is really important when we start looking at different social identities as well. Um, social intelligence really focuses on yeah. those leadership skills yeah. um, for our student athletes. And so, again, uh, we give them the opportunity to go to different leadership conferences uh, where we um, send them there. They're able to engage, network with others across the um across the Big 12 and other Division I institutions. Um, civic engagement is really just about uh, voters' education. 
um, registration. So we, yeah. we tend to work with some community campus and uh, community and campus partners to uh, provide that education and also uh, register our student athletes, our staff, um, coaches included, administration. Um, and then that advocacy piece, as well as the accountability pieces, we're saying all of these things, but what are we actually doing and how are we supporting these initiatives, whether it's community service projects that we do, um, are we supporting our black owned businesses, our uh, businesses that um, are operated by women? And so again, how are we putting those action, um, those things that we're saying we're doing into action as so, well? So you said it was voluntary. So for the athletes, it's voluntary Correct. to do that. Yep. And mm-hmm. it, right now, it's unfortunately, diversity inclusion has become the narrative of this, I call it a culture war. Mm-hmm. And, and it's sad that it's become to that. And um, so tell us a little bit your thoughts about how do you guys, how do you guys talk about that? How do you guys address that? I think for me, it's, it's not something that I address um, in a sense of it from a standpoint of a culture war. I think for me, when I look at diversity and inclusion, as I've kind of mentioned, it's, it's more about, um, I don't necessarily have to agree with mm-hmm. everything that you do or everything that you identify with, um, but can I respect you and can I value you as another person? And so for me, when it's about self-awareness, who am I? What are my lived experiences? How can those lived experiences uh, maybe uh, misguide me in how I interact with other people? Um, as I mentioned, we all have different lived experiences and the way that we view things is going to be very different. And that's to me is not a bad thing. That's good. That means we're bringing different solutions, different ideas, different concepts to the table um, for the betterment of everyone. I think when we start looking at diversity and inclusion, um, it's really just being accepting and loving of the other people that are around you, whether that's mm-hmm. your teammates as a student athlete, yeah. uh, whether that's a colleague um, that you work with as a staff member. Um, and so really just understanding that I don't have to agree with you to care about you, to respect you and to allow you to be who you are and help you to create that voice. And I think when we look at diversity and inclusion, um, I always tell student athletes, diversity means everybody's welcome to come to the court. Everybody's welcome to come to the playing field. But when we look at inclusion, it's taking it to that next step where everybody feels like they can participate as themselves. Um, And so I think those are the key steps. I try not to get into um, the other items, um, but more so what are the positives and how beneficial Mm. is diversity and inclusion And just that sense of belonging for not only our student athletes, our staff, our fans, um, visiting teams, Mm -hmm. officials. And so when we start to look at things like that nature, um, when we have the sense of inclusion and belonging, we know that people operate at their highest potential, whether that's academically, athletically, or just personally. And so for me, that's really what it's about is how can I make my student athletes or my staff uh, feel seen, feel heard, feel valued and respected so they can operate at their full potential and truly live this life of joy and happiness where they can be themselves. Just seems so simple. It does. Mm -hmm. It's not, I know it's not. (laughs) Uh, But for me, it's if I can make one difference a day, Mm-hmm. whether that's saying hi to someone who maybe um, sits in a space that there's not a lot of traffic, if that's visiting with a student athlete, if that's showing up at practice just to be present, oh. um, just trying to make that small difference in that space, even if it's just for one person. Wow. And how do you how do you see that impact on the students? Like, what are you hoping that they gain or success stories that you've seen in them? And so I think for my student athletes, it's, it's really that self-awareness piece. Um, am I sure of who I am? 
And am I operating at my highest potential? And so that's all it is for your student athletes. And, and again, that's not just from an athletic standpoint. Um, at some point, they're going to leave our institution. And have we equipped them to be the best person and to live a life that they truly enjoy and be themselves? I think a lot of us, even as adults, we walk around with a lot of things that we're not clear on who we are um, or even where they come from. We, as we talked about prior to us going um, live, we talked about those lived experiences and how sometimes those have those bias that we have that we're not even really aware of because that's just how everyone else is. And so for my student athletes, it's really about reaching that full potential, um, who you are, uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And then how do we equip you to go and do that? And for me, that's really a holistic stand, uh, approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and so DNI comes into play, um, for me and that, because it goes back to that inclusion and that mm-hmm. belonging and really helping them to identify those different social identities, uh, maybe where some biases came from that could be hindering them, um, from progressing in a certain area or taking a certain class, um, or going into certain spaces on internships and stuff of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times we tend to go into spaces and we navigate towards people who we, who look like us mm-hmm. or we mm-hmm. assume comes from a similar background. But how is that hindering us in, in a variety of spaces um, from networking to building relationships with people um, that may be able to um, educate us or help us to grow in a certain skill set? Or how is that even hindering us from pursuing things that we really are passionate about? And so, again, just a small example, um, of, I think, of how we can really examine ourselves to help us to kind of get to that next level. You know, you're talking about being proactive in, I think, to the what we've dealt with for the last couple of years with um, the pandemic, the the trauma that so many people, the isolation that so many people, did you see um, a difference being already having that there, already being working on that inclusion, being working on um, how to have those skills? Um, I feel like a lot of us uh, lost their emotional intelligence altogether. We lost a lot of self-awareness um, because it was just so traumatic Mm -hmm. for so many people and so did you see it that that maybe you guys handled it a little bit differently or a little bit more proactively or you were ready for it so again I arrived um, at OU uh, what would can be considered Uh, post-pandemic so I wasn't able to see um, the engagement of student athletes and or staff um, or some of the work that we were doing prior to so my position is also new so my position Uh. wasn't present Um, there was a subcommittee that was Uh. handling a lot of items in regards to DNI and was doing a fabulous job um, but again, I just, I've only, I'd be two years in June. So yeah. I wasn't able to be there post pandemic during the pandemic. Um, yeah. so coming in after, um, I definitely think there's, um, probably was a transition period, mm-hmm. um, as people were coming back in. So I started in June and everybody started transitioning back into, in the office. Uh, um, I believe in August, okay. July or August. So came at the latter end. Um, I definitely will say just, you know, looking at different cultures, there was definitely that transition piece that I think everyone went through mainly for staff, um, coming back into the office, inter, inter, interacting, you know, were we wearing masks? Were we not wearing masks? Mm-hmm. Who was wearing masks? Were there a door on your, uh, you know, a note on the door that said, please put a mask on before entering. So I definitely will say uh, I was able to witness a little bit of that transition, mm-hmm. um, but wasn't able to um, see that transition for our student athletes. But such great work that you're doing. That's going to be so helpful. Thank you. Thank that's you. That's going to help set a tone when it's so badly needed right now. And and again, I I think for me, it's making sure um, that I'm doing the best I can 
um, so that everyone else feels, you know, like I said, seen, valued, mm-hmm. um, heard, um, and creating voices um, in the right manner for, for our student athletes and for our staff. Um, are we educating on the topic? So just listening to student athletes and, and what they need, um, listening to staff about what they need, and we, are we providing those opportunities for them to engage in um, those conversations, whether that's going in and doing an educational session, uh, whether that's offering some type of large community event. We do offer some larger community events. Uh, we did the Loyola a project um, film last year and so that's a film over the game of change um, that happened in 1963 kind of during the civil rights and so just again bringing offering some space we did a red carpet event um, did concession um, allowed all of our student athletes and staff we invited everyone um, within our athletics department so we had an entrance that had a red carpet with cameras and stuff um, to allow them to come in and watch that movie um, and then pose some questions just to or a statement rather um, in regards to just the importance of sports and how sports can bring everyone together and really breaks down a lot of those um, barriers that we see, whether it's gender or race or ethnicity. Mm-hmm. And so try to do some events that um, are definitely DNI based, um, but also are, are fun and engaging and mm-hmm. isn't just sitting in there listening to someone speak, but we also go out and do community service. Um, and again, to me, that's a DNI related. A lot mm-hmm. of the community service projects that uh, we tend to engage in, and not just at the University of Oklahoma, but across the board, or organizations that we would support, um, typically have a DNI. We're looking to improve the lives of a certain group or a certain aspect. And so, um, again, those are DNI related initiatives. So when you see our students, you know, doing hospital visits or mm-hmm. um, you know, cleaning up a playground at our women's resource center, um, or giving back and serving food, um, you know, at our um, shelter for the unhoused in Norman, those are all DNI related initiatives that we're doing um, that I think sometimes we forget that those are actually Mm -hmm. us being inclusive um, Mm -hmm. just as humans. I'm blown away. I'm blown away. And I I think about all the different pieces of social emotional learning, uh, self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, responsible decisions making, relationships. Yeah. Everything that you've said hits every one of those pieces that everybody so badly needs in their life to, you know, it starts with self. Mm -hmm. And if yourself isn't going well, it's going to affect everything that you do. Right. So I think that's amazing work that you're doing. Thank you. And we're so proud uh, that it's so you. Uh, (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll put it it out there. So uh, are, are other college or universities in the big 12 doing the same thing? Are you guys working together? Mm So, yeah, um, the position as a whole is new. So the uh, the associate assistant, the DI designee, mm-hmm. um, or designated position is fairly new. Um, I believe we have one other institution in the Big 12 that also has a full-time um, DNI-related focus. But everyone in the Big 12 does have someone that's overseeing it. But it may be their assistant director, assistant um, athletic director of student engagement plus DEI, plus something else. And so um, the NCAA also has what's called an athlete diversity and inclusion designee. So it's called an ADID that has to have, we have to have one at every institution. And so obviously at the Big 12, um, each of our member institutions does have that designee and we meet monthly um, just to share ideas. Mm -hmm. um, Also to be informed, we 
a Big 12 representative, a Big 12 conference rep is also on that call with us. Um, and so not only from an institutional standpoint did the 12 of us um, and or 14 share information, um, but we also have a Big 12 rep on there that's sharing what's coming from the conference and keeping us well informed mm -hmm. of what's currently going on, how we can support each other. Um, and so that's really helpful. I think when we sit in the DNI space, it can be um, very taxing at times. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to have a group of people um, that you know at least once a month or your group you know, your group text message, or you can reach out to, um, to have that support is really important. Um, and obviously makes the work a lot easier, um, for all of us at an institutional level uh, as well. So what can we do in the public mm. to help with this work? Again, I think first off, uh, let's do some self-awareness, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, let's do some self-awareness, but I think just, just again, as I mentioned before, we, we know it's not as simple as we say, but not even just supporting OU, just supporting those within your own family, mm -hmm. those that you work with, that you consider your teammates, you know, just being respectful of other people's decisions and of other people's choices, whether you agree or you disagree. Mm -hmm. But how can we just love people? How can we care for people? And how can we support people? And then obviously, we always like to see everyone in, their, at, in the stands, whether it's, you know, women's basketball, men's basketball, uh, football. But also reach out to us. Like we're always looking for new ideas. We're always looking for ways that we can partner and support, whether it's a community partner, um, a school system. Um, we're always looking for ways that we can support there too. But I think just, you know, that basic thing of just respecting everyone's great mm -hmm. and then supporting us, of course, is from a sports, at, you know, an athletic standpoint. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, we love to see people at the, at the games and in the stands and engaging. Our student athletes love it. Um, you know, and so again, just supporting us that that way um, is really great. But again, always looking for ways that we can support our community and we can be a partner um, and we can help to create that voice for others is always something that we're looking to do as well. That's awesome. That is awesome. And we we love being partners with OU yeah. at OEA. And yeah. Yeah. Um, we have a teacher of the game. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we and we honor them at all the different events. Mm -hmm. And so from men and women's basketball, football, gymnastics. That was amazing. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Gymnastics is awesome. Oh, my gosh. And women's softball, baseball. Yep. We've, we've done it at all the different events. And I will tell you this. The athletes are am amazing when we come and do this. And, you know, we went to the, the softball game. And Coach Gasso, we, were, we did the presentation. And... Um, uh, the assistant coach came over and they, she said, Hey, can you guys hang around for just a moment? And we were like, well, yeah. <laughs> and they, she said, um, the athletes want to meet you. Yeah. They're, they're amazing. Like yeah. we have some of the, the best yes. of the best. Our yeah. coaches are amazing. And like I said, just staff hands down. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it was a, a great event and yeah. it just showed, it showed their awareness mm -hmm. and it showed their maturity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think sometimes we lose sight of student athletes in that manner. Uh, we think they're just, you know, athletes in the, and, and playing college basketball myself. I, yeah. I, I wish we would have had something like that mm -hmm. and, and had that, that perspective, how we looked at society, how we were out there in society and making a difference, not just on the courts mm -hmm. or the fields. Um, but making a difference in, yeah. in their lives as well. Just being aware that you're a role model. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, being aware that just interacting with you can change somebody's entire day, yeah. month. And I think that our student athletes, even though they're young adults, mm -hmm. you know, some of them are 17, 18 yeah. playing um, and, and giving big minutes and producing. Uh, but I think that they understand and they, uh, they enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and we try to provide them opportunities based on what their interests. You know, I always tell my student athletes, if you're interested in something, let me know if there's a conference that I haven't mentioned that you 
you want to go to, come talk to me. Let's figure out how we can, you know, set that up where you can go. If there's a, a student group that you want to work with or a particular area in the OKC Norman Metro or a group that you're passionate about, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of our student athletes um, typically have um, some type of initiative that they're maybe working on back home or, you know, we have a lot of international students as well mm-hmm. um, that they go back home and they do youth camps. Okay, well, let's figure out how we can support you. Um, and so again, just wanting to know what are their likes? What do you Mm -hmm. want to do? What are you passionate about? And how can we connect you, Mm -hmm. um, so that you're able to, to, um, put that out there in the community and really make that difference from a larger scale. Yeah. And make a difference as an adult going on. And, um, you know, you talk about the youth camps, Mm -hmm. making sure that they're a role model in those youth camps. And it's not just the camp itself, but it's the holistic piece of that. And, and, um, our young, young kids, look up to them and they mm-hmm. see that. Yeah. And so that's important. Well, today. and I told Dr. Ben, my kids went to the OU basketball camp oh. last year and loved, loved it. it. Yes. Loved yeah. It. Loved being a part yeah. of it. So. so now we just got to get you all to a game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. I was like, we got to go to a game. Yeah. So yeah, we got to go yeah. to a game. The so. games are great. Yeah. They're great. Your fans are great. Yeah. They, they're there in uh, support yeah. the university. And so that is, uh, it just shows the amazing work you guys are doing. Yeah. Well, we appreciate it. We appreciate thank, it. And I appreciate you. each of you as well. Thanks for Thanks. coming on. Thank yeah. you so much for having me. I enjoyed it. Well, let's just take some time and catch up with Catherine. Uh, oh, Ellen, I have to say this. Last night, we were in Weatherford. Oh, yeah. Had an amazing group. Um, over 20 people were there visiting with Representative Moore. And Representative Archer, who is new, yes. he took Representative Russ's place mm-hmm. in the Elk City area. And just incredible dialogue, as always. And it was just so great to see. We had people from Weatherford. We had people from Woodward that came in Enid. So we had the Northwest represented. And we're going to have, because that's such a big area, we're going to have a couple more dinners in the Northwest um, to hit all the different representatives and in their area and, and make it hopefully close to people to be able to participate in that. And so I know we got more coming up. They're on our website. We want to get registered for them. That would be great if you can do that. And then and then starting February the 28th yes. is back home capital civication at the Capitol. We want you to join us on that. Come Monday night, spend the night on us, dinner, and uh, then go lobby the next day at the Capitol. So uh, speaking of the Capitol, um, Secretary Walters presented his budget yesterday to the Joint House and Senate Appropriations Committee, Subcommittee on Education. Anything different? Anything new? I know you were there. Yeah. What, what happened? I mean, I think when we watched him present at the state board meeting, it really was the highlights. Like, here are the things that I want to fund, um, the priorities. But there really wasn't any like details of what does that look like? Yeah. You know, when you talk about merit pay, what what is that? How are we going to spread that money out? You yeah. know, all of those kind of things. And so this, I do feel like um, Superintendent Walters came with more information of how he wanted to spend those dollars. And I think the key piece, I mean, there were several key pieces, but one was that the money he wants to put into the Reading Sufficiency Act or helping right. improve our reading scores in Oklahoma is a one-time investment. And I mm. heard a lot of concern from, you know, legislators across the spectrum on if we are really going to dig down deep mm-hmm. and ensure that we have quality training for our educators, 
And we still have kind of a teacher shortage problem where Mm -hmm. we're training teachers and they're still leaving. It's very confusing to see this as a one-time investment into our schools that's going to have long-term impacts as we move forward. And that's so interesting that to take budgetary money and use it on a one-time investment, typically you're looking, you know, our federal grants that we still have to spend in our state, perfect use of one-time money to do those investments. And, and that, in, in that training is, it's a two-year training. And I was talking to some teachers last night. I said, and I, Representative Archer was sitting there and I said, tell them, you guys have gone through this training. Tell him a little bit about what this entails Mm -hmm. in the hours in, in it's hours outside of their school day, Mm -hmm. plus also implementing it into their, 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 their education with their students. So it's a lot of training, a lot of work that you're really, and when you look at if people are, are not staying, that's a lot of money we're spending in, in getting, we need to get the right people trained. And she, uh, our, our zone director, Jenny Scott, was saying that over 70% of her teachers in her building are trained. Wow. So, you know, he kind of came off, Secretary and Superintendent Walters, I will just use both of those little right. terms there, Right. Um, kind of made it sound like that nobody, this was new, that nobody was doing this. And, and we have. We have you know, been. $13 million was invested through federal money to last year to to really get this going even though we have been doing it for multiple years now and so i i did notice that i slide and it got a lot of reaction on social media about how the incentive pay that that was definitely i would say catherine the other hot topic yeah. that you know in that audience we have to remember that a lot of people on the appropriations and budget committee and the education committee our former educators and former administrators. And so, especially from that administrator perspective, you're looking at people who have done evaluations, who understand how that process works and really, you know, their role in, in the clearest sense, you want this to be an opportunity for your educators to grow and know what they're doing well and what, what they need to do to improve. And, Time and again, each person started out by saying, I've never seen a metric system or a merit system, incentive system that works other than ones that we talk about, like national board certified and just like concern after concern and, and really hitting on, we have a collective investment that we have to make in our educators at this point, because we aren't even at the regional average anymore. So how can we even start talking about this piece when we haven't even done the most basic piece first, which is paying our qualified educators what they deserve at a flat rate. Yeah. And and that it was all tied to the teacher evaluation system that we have to be either excellent or superior. And then the amount of PD hours that went with it and it's so subjective. So subjective. And you know, if if every every one of our I always say it this way, if every one of our administrators evaluate the same way, then that's okay. But it's not. And they're they're human beings. We're human beings. And so um, you know, you may have some administrators that that I know and I've had that always feel like you have an area to improve on. That mm-hmm. is just some people's philosophy mm-hmm. that they have. Um, but to be superior, it means that you're out teaching others 
that information. And so not everybody lives in excellent and superior because this is supposed to be our teaching learning evaluation is supposed to be a growth model Mm -hmm. that we're growing and that we're able to be reflective on our practice and see where we need to grow. And it should be a, a tool that we use to help people grow, not to be pit one person against another. And, and we're in a, a field that is collaborative. Mm-hmm. You take out professional learning communities. It is a collaborative mode. It's not a competitive mode. And so that that's kind of the response I got. I saw a lot of responses in that manner. And, um, you know, and, and sometimes people say, I, I will never be excellent or superior. And that's okay. And But they're still making a difference and making an impact on students. But then the, the PD was the one that caught me as like, 25 hours a year what what's the pd you know what the professional learning goal that he's been tying it to is your your personal low goal Mm -hmm. that you want to improve on and sometimes that's done through you know we're, we're doing um letters training in our school so that might be my professional growth i want to obtain or i need i'm in a book study or something like that so it's all different so it's kind of it's interesting to um, get to see it up on a slide, but it got a lot of response on a social media. And lot. I, again, don't think anything was hammered out yeah. too much in detail that we're, and again, as we talked about last week, this is really a pr- proposal yeah. from an agency. It's a conversation yeah. at this point. Yeah. And I think if our conversation is on retaining and you know, recruiting mm-hmm. people to the profession. That's a conversation we want to have every day yeah. um, and hope to bring light to the real ways that we think we can do that. Yeah. Work. There was his, um, was it, did he, was he consistent in saying that his number one priority was um, choice? Yes. Parent yeah. choice. And honestly, no one asked questions about it okay. I, because at this point, what does that even mean? Right. So, yeah. you know, that was, I think, merit pay and a lot of concerns with a one-time investment into something that feels like a long-term yeah. goal. Yeah. For It made yeah. it really unsettling yeah. in that room, I would say. And, and that's what I also have heard from educators that, you know, we go through a lot of different trainings and different initiatives through the years. So I, I saw a lot in 23 years of different initiatives that, um, and, and so fearful that this may, you know, we're learning all the time about students and how the brain works and how they learn best. And so it's not to say that something more may come along. And so you're, you're always cautious about that and, mm-hmm. and not, we want to make sure that we're evaluating it correctly and making sure we're implementing it correctly to, with fidelity. And so that's, that's always a concern of people that people have and to know that, um, that, that there's equity in that. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I think the biggest piece of it. Um, it was so enlightening hearing Dr. Bean talk about diversity inclusion. And we think back, we think to that whole concept in our schools and, and, and just faculty making sure that there's that self-awareness and that inclusive practice that we are we are seeing people for the good that they are. I just, I thought her, her comments were so enlightening and that uh, where we, it sometimes gets a bad connotation sometimes mm-hmm. across the street at the Capitol, but it's not. No. And it's just about being respectful of other people yes. and treating them nicely and treating them 
with with equity and inclusiveness and a cohesive team that trust yeah is going to be a more productive mm-hmm. team i mean when we talk about the words of like we yeah. want our kids to be yeah. you know productive citizens that pay their taxes yeah. you can't be that if you don't have a set of value and trust within a right. system that you're working right. collectively towards right. so yeah. That, she was great. She I, was awesome. I, I we are so that. appreciative of Dr. Bean, the Associate Athletic Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, being with us today. And we want to thank you for joining us. And thank you for listening to Fried Oakcrest, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Ellen Pogamiller with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Catherine Bishop, president of OEA. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact us at friedokrapodcasts at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, keep fighting the good fight for public education.